Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. This is Embodied Astrology, and this is Renee Sills, your host, the astrologer of the show. Um, I'm always trying something new with the introductions. If you've listened for a while, I go back and forth between having a pre-recorded introduction, a kind of canned thing where I just give you the spiel or just rambling. Today I feel like rambling. Um, So my name is Renee. I am a consulting astrologer. That means that I work with people one-on-one. I work with couples. I work with relationships bigger than two. I work with groups, collectives, uh, people who are interested in understanding how their astrology, their natal charts, the astrology in the world can help them live more vibrant, vital, connected, integrated lives. I am an artist. I have my own art practice. I'm a writer. I make pictures. I make dances. I work with video. I work with sound. I like to fuck around. I like to experiment. And I am a somatic movement educator and a somatic intuitive. And what that means is that I've spent a really long time training my body to be very aware I have a a very developed felt sense and my intuition runs through my felt sense and a lot of the information that I get from astrology registers to me through my body and there is a really long and very entwined and intricate relationship between astrology and the body because of course astrology works because we're in bodies. We live in bodies here on the earth. We experience daytime, nighttime, different kinds of seasons, our bodies aging, our bodies in relationship to other bodies, to the earth itself, to the sun, to the moon, to the stars, etc. And astrology is a language for our experience here on earth. We track the stars and the planets and the cycles from our perspective, not a cosmic perspective. So embodied astrology is an amalgamation and a blending of my interests. And every month I prepare a seasonal episode. I talk about the zodiac season that we are entering into in the language of tropical astrology. And along with the zodiac season episode, I prepare 12 audio horoscopes of about 15 minutes in length each. Um, So that's a lot of recording through the month, getting ready to um, come into the new season. And um, all of that is because I believe astrology is so helpful. Dane Rudyar, who's an amazing astrologer, whose work I've gotten a lot from, said that astrology is a language for the evolution of consciousness. And I really believe that. I think that it is um, so generous and it has really broadened my perspective, certainly, and everyone I talk to um, who's been influenced by astrology feels the same way. It's like it helps us understand who we are without pathologizing ourselves, without feeling like we need to fit into certain boxes. It helps us contextualize our experiences and it helps us stay connected to each other, to the world around us. So that's what embodied astrology is. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Today, the day that I'm recording is Thursday, December 19th, um, wherever you are wherever you happen to be in time and space in the future, welcome to the past. Um, I am sitting in Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm recording today. It is the day after the Democratic um, leadership, congressional leadership has voted to impeach Donald Trump. I feel a little meh about it. It's been, um, you know, a long couple of 
months, years um, going through this guy's stupid presidency and uh, it probably won't pass in the Senate and it doesn't even really matter unless the whole system changes and that's part of what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, certainly the way that astrology and politics, I'm using air quotes, but definitely what's happening in our world are interweaving with one another. Um, it is really cold in Wisconsin. It is so cold and I am really excited to be heading back to the West Coast on Saturday. I'll be taking a train and um, we'll be getting back just um, a couple days after solstice and I'm so excited to be back for a little bit under two months and um, I know a lot of my listeners are in the Portland area and I really hope I get to see you. I'm going to be offering two events in Portland the first weekend in January. So Saturday, January 4th at 7 p.m. I'll be giving a talk at Psychic Sister and Sunday, January 5th from 11 to 4 I will be giving a workshop at the People's Yoga in Northeast. And both of these events are going to be working with the astrology of 2020. The talk at Psychic Sister is a talk. It's a presentation. I'll be talking a little bit about how to um, work with astrology through your own natal chart, but mostly I'll be looking at what's going on in 2020 in more of a condensed form. And then the workshop on Sunday will be a deep embodied creative exploration of how we work with astrology through our own charts and through our own um, preferences and instincts and relationships. So I'm really excited to be teaching in Portland. I would love to see you. Um, both of the events are financially accessible. The talk is sliding scale and there are scholarships available for the workshop. So please register. You can find registration information on my website, embodiedastrology.com. I'll also be, I think I'll be offering an astro dinner party um, in late January, early February. The details are yet to be confirmed, but these are really fun events. Um, they're great, playful, silly ways to get to learn about astrology and meet new people and eat awesome food. So if you want to find out more about that, make sure that you're signed up for my free newsletter. Um, you can also sign up on the website and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Embodied Astrology. Um, if you are not in Portland and you want to come to an event, um, invite me to you. Let's talk. Where are you and what are you up to? I like to get around, so let me know if you have an invitation. Um, okay, so I'm going to get into today's episode. There are two parts in the Capricorn season episode. In part one, I will be looking at Capricorn as a symbol. I'll be thinking about it in relationship to the natural world, to the earth, to our bodies, and to our experiences and relationship and uh, our inner growth external growth, etc. And then in part two, I'm going to be looking at the astrology for Capricorn season. And we have wild, exceptional, amazing astrology coming up in this season. There's so much going on. So I'm going to be focusing um, on not all of it, just uh, the, the most acute astrology as I see it and kind of referencing it uh, within a larger context, a historical context, because of course, astrology works in cycles. Um, so I'll be talking about some of those. And there's a ton of more if you want more if you want to nerd out on astro with me or if you want to follow along with um, transits as they happen day by day there's a lot more than what I'm going to talk about in this episode um, you can get all of that by becoming a subscriber you can subscribe by donation at any amount for extended 
embodied astrology content and that content includes um, another recording where I go through the entire 30 days of Capricorn season I talk about what's happening every day the lunar cycles and planetary aspects planetary ingresses into new signs etc I give a lot of interpretation for how I um, kind of feel those energies working and then you'll also get a PDF of an astro journal and that journal um, has kind of a more poetic approach to the astrology so there are symbols um, that I give for each planetary aspect um, reflection kind of journal prompts and different practices to engage with um, as well so there's all of those resources uh, there's also uh, the horoscopes that I mentioned earlier for your sign, for your rising sign, you can find them linked to this podcast or from embodiedastrology.com. Those horoscopes are free and they go through the essence of Capricorn season for each sign. And then there are also year ahead birthday reports that I do for each sign. So the Capricorn birthday report is out now and that gives you insight into the next 12 months of the most pivotal and important astrology going on for each sign. Um, I really believe that astrology is so amazing and helpful as I was talking about and um, I think it should be accessible. I think that tools and practices that encourage and help us to heal and be more relational and vital and vibrant in our lives should be accessible to everyone. So I try and keep my prices accessible. I'm not one of those astrologers or coaches that's going to charge you an arm and a leg to access me. Everything that I give is really affordable. I work with sliding scale, I work with scholarship, um, and I work by donation. And that's important to me. That's not me not valuing my work or some capitalist idea like that. That's me actually really valuing my work and wanting it to spread in the world because I know that that's going to help me in the long run because I want people to be happy, healthy, and strong together in our relationships. So please support me if you can to keep this going. Um, in 2020, it is my goal to hire a producer to help me make this work better and um, keep it accessible. So you can help Embodied Astrology maintain and sustain in a lot of different ways. The number one way that you can help this work to maintain and to grow is to share it. Please share it with your friends and family. Please follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Sign up for the free newsletters. Share it to your friends. Give me five-star reviews. Click the hearts and the likes and all of that. Um, and then, of course, monetary and financial support is so helpful. Um, deep, deep bow. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to everyone who has donated to Embodied Astrology over the course of these last five years. Um, I'm so grateful to you. Your donations and your subscriptions keep this work going. They allow me to do what I do, which is to spend a lot of time preparing this material. Um, the subscriptions are by donation. You can subscribe at any amount and it is helpful. You can send a one-time donation or a recurring donation. You can sign up for an online class. You can buy a year ahead birthday report. You can come to a live event. All of these are great holiday gifts and all of them support Embodied Astrology, which is a female-run, queer-run business devoted to healing and consciousness shift in the world. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. Blessings upon you, and I wish abundance for each and every one of you. I will be right back in just a second with Capricorn Season Astrology.
So I would love to start the exploration of Capricorn by meditating on its beautiful, exalted, wonderful qualities. I think Capricorn is one of those signs um, like Virgo, Scorpio, and Gemini that kind of gets the shaft a lot of the time. Um, people love to hate <laughs> these signs and often find a lot of things that are wrong with them. I suppose you could say that about most signs, but Capricorn is definitely a sign that gets um, poo-pooed a lot for not being very fun um, and things like that. But there is so much to love about Capricorn. And um, let's start by thinking about the representation of Capricorn and what it means. So some of, of what Capricorn represents is strength and container. And it's the kind of strength and container that builds slowly and over time. Let's think about this in context of the earth. We can think about the, the crust of the earth and the um, mantle of the earth, kind of the outer form of the earth that has grown over um, eons over trillions of years into what it is, uh, the tectonic plates as they shift slowly, growing mountains centimeter by centimeter over the years. We can think about the iron core, the metal core right at the center of the earth, the intense pressure of the outer layers of earth that keep pushing on this core and keep it solid even though it's something like 13,000 degrees hot. And this core, of course, is what produces the magnetic field of the earth. And that magnetic field is what in turn protects us from solar winds and the high energy particles emitting from the sun. So just thinking about these kinds of ideas, the crust of the earth, the core of the earth, the magnetic frequency emitted by the earth's body itself, and that magnetic frequency being a protective layer, um, we might start to feel into some of the strength and the magnitude of Capricorn's potential. Capricorn is a protective kind of energy, and the kind of, of protection that it creates is protection that grows slowly over time. It has immense fortitude, and that fortitude is increased through resistance and through pressure. On Earth, we can think of old growth forests as a beautiful representation of Capricorn. Um, if you know anything about old growth forests, you know that one of the uh, kind of primary benefits of old growth forests is their biodiversity. That these forests are places where many different species of flora uh, flourish, all kinds of different plants and trees can grow. There are many different ages of trees that exist with each other. Uh, dead trees becoming the, the homes and the nourishment for animals and for new plant growth. Uh, very old trees providing huge canopies and and of course, habitats for um, other little beings. The roots of all of the trees that combine together. There's a lot of, of books that have come out in the last couple of years that talk about the language of forests and the language of trees and how their roots interweave and communicate with one another. And the way that they communicate, or one of the ways that they communicate and they share resource together is through their fungal health, through the health of mycelium and different kinds of um, uh, fungal species or systems that help share and disseminate resources. 
Um, these kinds of different interweaving systems allow for a lot of different animals to live and old growth forests are defined by the abundance of diversity and of course the minimal <laughs> human disturbances. Um, old growth forests provide so much of the oxygen that we need for our planet. You don't need me to tell you how important they are, but have you ever been in one? And if you have, or even if you've um, not been in one yourself, but maybe you've been, one, been in one through a a movie or even through a screensaver or something like that in your digital reality. Um, maybe you've had an idea or a sensation of how peaceful this kind of place is and how magical this kind of place is. So I want to call in the essence of an old growth forest as we think about Capricorn. And let's think about the um, hundreds and the thousands of years of growth that allow fertility and diversity, that allow for a lot of different experiences and expressions of life to flourish and to thrive. Let's think about peace Let's think about the, the quiet as well as the, the noise. Forests are very noisy places if we can tune in to all of the animals and the insects and the birds and even the sounds of the plants as they emit their life force. Let's think about coral reefs as well while, while we're at it, the, the forests of the ocean. Um, coral reefs, like old growth forests, are places of incredible biodiversity and also places that take a really long time to grow, somewhere between 10,000 and 30 million years to grow, to become what they are, what they were. And these are places like old growth forests that support so many different kinds of life and also produce so much oxygen. They absorb carbon from our atmosphere like the old growth forests do. So they're a really important part of the respiration of our planet. Let's rest for a minute with these ideas. And in any way that you can, call up in your mind's eye um, images or sensations or associations that you have to the age of the earth, to its, um, its diversity, to the many different kinds of life that inhabit earth, and to the habitats that have supported biodiversity, to the places that have been created really slowly over time, that have worn down or grown into whatever it is that they are, I have the Grand Canyon flashing through my head and I'm seeing years of erosion kind of breaking down and forming the crust of the canyon walls. And I'm imagining caverns and caves. I'm imagining forests. I'm imagining oceans. So in whatever way you can, just kind of call up that imagery for yourself. And notice what happens in your body for me, as I call up that imagery, as I try and relate to it a little bit, I feel both a deep sense of peace and a deep sense of longing and a deep sense of sadness. Um, the sadness coming from what I know is happening in our world today and the rapid loss of these kinds of old growth systems. However, I also know that the earth is very old that the earth has been through multiple incarnations, it's experienced many different eons, and I trust in the earth's wisdom, and I trust in its integrity, and its fortitude, its resilience, and its ability to persevere. 
And these are all words and ideas that are associated with Capricorn. Capricorn is an energy that persists over time, that resistance and challenge um, only serve to make stronger. So if you think about times in your life, and maybe you're going through one of these times right now, where you've had to face a lot of resistance, where you've had to face a lot of pressure or a lot of stress, and you might feel how the pressure and the stress is breaking you down in many ways, and maybe breaking down your health, maybe breaking down um, emotional barriers. Um, on some level, there's also a, a process of refinement that occurs during these times. And maybe that refinement is only something that we can comprehend after we leave our bodies, when we move into the spirit realm, or when we get to the moment right before our death, and we understand, oh, there was a reason that I went through that, I learned something really valuable in that moment. Now, this is not me um, saying that, you know, all suffering is meant to be that it leads to some kind of profound answer or gift on the other side. There's chaos and there's the unexplainable and um, so much that, you know, we can't control and certainly from a human level seems like um, meaningless suffering. But let's consider the, the age and the process of the earth as well and the ways that we know that there is regeneration even if it takes a trillion years. And somehow, in some way, see if you can connect to that idea. Can you connect to an idea of um, long duration, of fortitude, of resilience, and the possibility of transformation, of transforming death into life, and transforming life into diversity, into a multiplicity of expressions. When I think of Capricorn, I also think about the body. And as an embodied um, practitioner or embodiment practitioner, a lot of what I do is study anatomy and spaces of intelligence within our body. The way that different systems in our bodies have different minds, so to speak, or different cognitive states. If you've spent any time exploring somatics, you're totally familiar with what I'm saying. But it's completely possible to shift your level of consciousness, to shift your perceptive state, to shift your mood, um, to have a totally different experience by shifting awareness of what system you're relating to in your body. When we're in a muscular state, um, we tend to be in a mind state that is also very muscular, where we want to grasp, we want to pull, we want to use force. If we're in a state where we've been focusing really deeply on cerebral spinal fluid, the fluid that runs through the spinal cord and surrounds the brain, um, that kind of state feels quite effervescent in some ways, it feels very spacious, it feels um, like a, a being in harmony with the air and with the universe to me. So thinking about the different cognitive capacities that we have when we relate to our bodies is the way that we can also explore the zodiacal energies. Each sign in the zodiac is related to different systems in our bodies, different parts in our bodies, and different functions. 
In medical astrology, Capricorn relates to the integrity functions and the containment functions in our bodies. It rules the skin, the skeleton, the bones. It has a specific correspondence to the knees and the teeth. So let's spend some time thinking and feeling into these spaces. If you're somewhere where you can pay attention to your skin just for a minute, look down at your skin and see its, its hue, its color. Rub a fingertip over one area of skin and just notice what you feel. So there's an outer layer of skin that is uh, more of a, a dead skin zone where our dead cells accumulate. And that's actually a really important place in the skin. It's what keeps bacteria out and holds moisture in. Just below that, we have a, a layer that you might be familiar with called the epidermis. And this layer of skin is a very protective barrier, and it's also where our skin tone is. And so when we think of skin, um, this is usually what we're thinking of, you know, what color it is and what we see in the outer wrapping. Below the epidermis, and so you can kind of use your fingertip to like slide your skin around a little bit and just notice how your skin moves. Um, there is a middle layer of skin. This is called the dermis. And this is a really strong layer of our skin. It has a, a toughness in its connective tissue quality and it's where our hair follicles um, implant and implant is the wrong word, but where they're, they're rooted and where our sweat glands are. And then below the dermis is the uh, hypodermis, and that's the, the innermost layer of skin. And so when you slide your skin around, you might feel a slippery layer, and that layer is fat and fascia. And if you use um, your fingertips to kind of pinch your skin and pull it away, you can kind of think about how you're pulling away all those different layers. And then you might think about how the layers of your skin are similar to the layers of um, the the outer layers of earth. So if you've ever dug a garden, you know you might dig through um, the the first layer of green growth, and then you might dig through um, some topsoil, and then you might get down into a thicker kind of clay soil. So as you notice the layers of your skin, think about the layers of earth and the way that uh, plants and trees grow up through the layers of earth and your hair grows through the layer of your skin. And these are associations and similes, of course, but I find them delightful to engage. Your bones are similar uh, in that they are layered organs and the bones are considered organs. And so if you're using your hand again, you might um, use one hand to feel the opposite hand and with your fingertips, try and feel the bones of your other hand. The first time I did this, I was like, whoa, my fingers are so much longer than I ever thought they were. So if you feel what you see as your finger, and then if you follow it down into your hand, you'll notice that your finger bone is really long. And if you're a person who does a lot of things with your hands, if you're a musician or if you're an artist or if you're um, someone who weight bears on your hands a lot, a yoga practitioner or a dancer of some kind, um, then this might be really fascinating kinds of information because when you move your fingertips, you're 
actually moving your entire hand and you can initiate movement through the length of the bones. It's a little aside. But it is part of what Capricorn teaches us is the connection uh, and the integrity of our structures. And so if you move one finger, though it might seem that just that one finger is moving, if you really bring attention and awareness into your body, you'll probably feel a pathway of, moving at, of movement at least all the way up to your elbow. Now the bones also have layers. This is what I was about to say. And um, the bone layers look similar to a number two pencil, if you've ever looked at one of those. So there's an outer layer of bone. It's called the periosteum. It's like the skin of your bone, similar to the epidermis, the outer layer of skin, uh, similar to the Earth's crust, kind of the outer layer of Earth, which is a fairly thin part of um, Earth's outer layers. The periosteum is where connective tissue uh, attaches. So our ligaments and tendons are continuous with the periosteum. The layer just below the periosteum is called the compact bone. And this is really the hard density of the bone where the minerals of our bone uh, layer upon one another. And when we think of bone as kind of a, a hard tissue, we're sensing into the compact bone. So if we think back to the skin and remember, oh, the middle layer of skin is that tough layer. Um, and then if you have studied at all or looked at all at the different layers of uh, the Earth's core, you might think about um, the mantle uh, of, um, or the Earth's layers, you might think about the mantle and then the inner layers of, um, I'm forgetting their names right now, but sometimes they're described as like the texture of silly putty. Um, but there's a, a kind of quality of strength and resilience within them. And that strength and resilience is what holds the outer layers um, atop them. So as you connect into your bones, can you imagine that all the way at the center of the bones, there's actually, um, similar to our earth, a fluid core. And right at the center of the bone is where the marrow is, and this part of the bone is sometimes called spongy bone. Um, and if you've ever seen a cross-section of the bone, you have a probably a visual in your head of what that looks like, that spongy inner part of the bone. And this is where our marrow is. And the bone marrow in adults um, is comprised often of of fat, but then there's um, what's called red marrow in a lot of the bones in our axial body and our ribs and our breastbones and our pelvis and also and the the end parts of the big bones like your thigh bones and this marrow is where we um, produce stem cells that then become blood cells and a lot of them become white blood cells and that's a really important part of our immunity so if we think about again some of uh, the associations of capricorn which are held in what Capricorn represents. So thinking about astrology, thinking about zodiacal significance is not just going, oh, well, you know, Capricorns are austere and committed and hardworking. Those might be qualities that um, exist within a, a kind of Capricorn energy, but think about these textures, think about these tissues. Bones grow through resistance. The reason that your bones get strong is because they're in relationship to gravity and they have weight applied on them all the time. 
And when we work with resistance in our bones, our bones get stronger. This is part of why it's important to um, continue practicing balancing as we age or continue to, to move our bodies, to, to walk, you know, to, to do some weight bearing as we age because it keeps our bones strong. Bones grow through resistance. If you ever have had um, uh, a kind of bone spur, <laughs> that's also due to its healing and injury, but often through gravity and through pressure. Um, if you have bunions on your feet, those bunions are the result of genetics, but also of pressure that create a kind of pathway of weight bearing in the bones that then will create bone growth um, in these places of your feet. So what does that do for you to think about skin and bones um, in their relationship to this sign and the qualities of this sign? We have qualities in Capricorn of protection, of barrier, of containment, and also of structure and integrity and what grows through resistance, what grows through challenge. Now Capricorn also rules the teeth, and um, the teeth, like the bones and like the skin, have three layers. The outer layer is the hardest, the enamel is the hardest layer, um, and it is the protective layer. The middle layer, the dentin, um, is is less hard, it's more of the, it's not the white layer, it's more of the yellow layer. And then just like the bones at the center of the teeth, we have a soft layer called the pulp, where the blood and the nerves are. Now, teeth and bones, but especially teeth, are one of the ways that we can um, determine ancestry, age, and also experiences that people have had throughout their lives and experiences that their ancestors had um, in terms of levels of stress and nourishment that people received. Now, before I go further, let's take a minute and just feel into our bodies. And if you're somewhere that you can bring your attention into your posture just for a moment um, notice the way that your bones are in relationship to one another your bones have to abide within the rules of gravity so however your bones are in relationship to one another is also relationship that is determined by gravity and if you're standing or sitting, you might notice how different parts of your body might feel heavier than other parts of your body. And if you can notice weight in these parts of your body that feel heavier, um, can you also notice if that weight has something to do with the alignment uh, of these places to some other places? And usually I find that starting at the foundation starting at the base of something is a really good way to work through a kind of process of bringing alignment and integrity. And if you happen to be standing or sitting, then you could bring your awareness into your feet or into your seat and notice where your weight is. If your weight is backwards in your seat, if you're sitting on the bus or driving in your car and you're sitting in a bucket seat, there's a good chance that your pelvis is tilted backward, which is creating a curve in your low back. And just as an experiment, notice what happens um, if you try and lift up out of that place, what needs to work? 
Notice what happens if you move your, your seat forwards so that you don't um, slide into the shape of the bucket. If you're standing up, notice if you have more weight on one foot or another, in your heels or in your toes. And as you shift your weight, as you notice where your weight is, you might notice that your entire body response, that just slightly shifting your weight over your feet will also shift the musculature of your legs, it'll shift the tilt of your pelvis, it'll shift the shape of your spine, it might even shift the um, position of your head or your arms. Take a deep breath in. Let yourself exhale. Take a couple more deep breaths in and deep breaths out and feel the movement of your ribs and your breastbone. And take a minute to offer gratitude and thanks for these bones that protect your lungs and your heart. Try and feel inside your skull. Bring your awareness behind your forehead and inside your ears. And remember that your brain is held within your cranial bones. And your brain delivers information to your spinal cord. And your spinal cord is held protected between your, um, your vertebra and the vertebral column. Our bones protect our vital organs. They protect the softness that creates our breathing, our respiration, our metabolism, our central intelligence. Our bones move us around, they locomote us, they function to get us what they need to move us where we need to be. Our skin is an amazing sense organ, right? The largest sense organ of the body. And if you just tune into your skin for a moment, there's so much information that you're getting through your skin right now. You're perceiving light, you're perceiving heat, you're perceiving weight, you're perceiving moisture, you might be perceiving movement, you might be perceiving touch, you might be, be, be perceiving texture. So much information coming through your skin. So as you feel into your skin and your bones, let's feel into Capricorn, into this quality, this energy, this resonance that teaches us about boundaries, that teaches us about what is possible and what is not. Capricorn teaches us to follow the rules of Earth. The number one rule of living on Earth is that you live in a body. And living in a body necessarily means separateness. And Capricorn, as a sign, needs to feel separation in some ways. It feels isolated often. It can feel deeply, deeply lonely. And when we live in bodies, we have to fend for ourselves, at least on some level. And fending for ourselves means that we need to feed our organs, we need to protect ourselves, and we need to get what we want, and we need to have some methodology around getting what we want. And so Capricorn represents ideas of ambition and attainment, as well as protectiveness and containment. Let's give thanks to our bodies for these profound lessons in astrology. 
And let's think about some of the other associations of Capricorn. So as the teacher of time, as the teacher of maturation and what it means to live here on Earth, Capricorn is associated to history and to age, aging, maturity, old people, ancestors, and traditions. What has come before sets up the conditions for what we experience presently. And what people have gone through before sets up the expectations for what people will go through in the future, right? So we have the conditions as well as the lessons of our ancestors and of history. And the quality of maturation and age that occurs uh, for any person who lives into maturity, who lives into their age, is a quality of um, time, right? It's, it's seeing time go by. It's having multiple experiences with the same kinds of things, enough time so that you have an idea of what's going to happen the next time, and you might have something to impart to a person who uh, maybe doesn't have that idea. In correspondence to ancestors, if we think about our bones and our teeth, um, Capricorn tells us a lot about the stress and the restriction, as well as the privileges of our ancestors, and it keeps us tied to an ancestral cord. The memories of our ancestors run through our bodies. They run through our bodies through our DNA, through our uh, emotional memories, and literally through our structures. What our bodies manifest as in terms of, of their shape was determined potentially many, many generations ago. And if you read about the way that bones and teeth grow and how they're formed, even if a person has excellent nutrition in this life, if their ancestors um, experienced deficiency that was consistent and or um, really extreme stress, then uh, a person now will also experience deficiency in their bones or in their teeth. The traditions that Capricorn teaches about are traditions that have stood the test of time. We are like this because this is what has allowed us to succeed. Now these traditions are not always what we want to be doing. Right? There are traditions that have been in place for quite some time because no one has the guts to change them, and this is the way that we always do things. And then there are traditions that are very wise. There are traditions that continue to work, and we have to discern between them. And this is where Capricorn is also associated to rules and to authorities or figures of authority. The containment or the boxes that come down upon our bodies and that tell us what ways we need to be. Now if we think back to our skin and our bones, um, we might find some obvious correlations again, and particularly the, the importance of skin at this moment in human evolution and consciousness is huge. And just that outer layer of skin, just the epidermis, is where the skin tone resides. But in just that layer, we have classes of people, we have um, systems of inequity and privilege, and we have uh, legacies, generations of histories that have deeply, deeply impacted the experience of people now. So let's think about this for a moment. Let's uh, let ourselves resonate in relationship to age 
into history. Where do you come from? Who are your people? What are the rules of your people? What traditions have been passed down to you? What country do you live in? What are the rules of this country? What do the old people say you have to do? What are the authorities enforce? These boxes, these containers, um, some will thrive within these containers. There are some personalities that, that love to play by the rules and that love to succeed within the structure defined by the rules or by authority or by tradition. Uh, but most people, at least at some point in their lives, on some level, will experience testing or challenge or restriction by these rules. And the testing that we go through, the challenges and the restrictions have a lot to do with how we grow and how we conceive of our own potential and what we set out to be. And so Capricorn tells us a lot about our ambitions, what we think we can grow up into, what uh, we imagine for ourselves in some eventual state of authority or leadership. Capricorn teaches us a lot about commitment. It teaches us a lot about dedication and the ways that we can become masters of whatever it is. But in order to become a master of something, we have to have consistency. We have to have uh, perseverance. Um, we have to be committed deeply over time. And we will work through challenge. We will work through restriction. We will work through hardship. And through all of that, we can become a master of something. So let's also take a minute with this, with these ideas. And can you um, meditate? Can you inquire into your own experience? And as you think about the authorities that you are in relationship with, whether they're authorities who you know, who you interact with regularly, or they're authorities that you might never meet, who have been dead for hundreds of years, who are the people that have created the rules for you? And what kinds of contexts do you live within that determine your ambitions? What do you want to be? What do you want to prove? What are you aspiring towards? And what do you have the tenacity for? Where's your fortitude? What are you going to commit to? Don't hear that question only in relationship to something like career or vocation or some kind of authority figure that you might grow into being. Hear that as a question that can include emotional qualities, that can include relationships, that can include your um, individuation, your creativity, your soul growth, your spiritual growth. But what are you committed to? What will you... Um, come back to again and again, even when it doesn't work out the way that you want it to, even when other people doubt you, even when you doubt yourself. That is where you build fortitude. That is where strength accumulates. That's where your resilience is. It may also be a space of rigidity. It might also be a containment for you or a place of blockage. So as you feel into it, notice these uh, Capricorn qualities, and that is Capricorn living in you. It is your commitment, it is your discipline, it is your uh, resistance and your resilience. It is also where you get hung up, it's where you get rigid, it's where you get stuck on an idea and can't let it go. Okay.
So as we consider these correlations, the earth-body connections and associations of container, of structure, of integrity, of rules, of gravity, let's also again call in um, this idea of, of the softness at the center of things. So between the, the metal core of the earth and its crust, there's softness, there's warmth and softness, richness. Um, at the center of a tree, the, the sap runs through, the fluids run through. The coral reefs are living. There is uh, fluid at the center of your bones. There's fat and there's blood. The softness is what requires the rigidity, and the container is what holds the contents. And so if we think about this, this relationship between rigidity and softness, uh, we might also consider the ways that sustainability of form, what is manifest, requires softness. It requires relationship. It requires permeability biodiversity, <laughs> uh, relationships between different forms, the, the flourishing or the thriving of life, the inclusion is what allows a container to really develop and sustain over time. Capricorn's opposite sign is Cancer. And you may have heard from me or from another astrologer somewhere that though there are 12 signs in the tropical or the Western zodiac, you might think of them really as six polarities because each sign is existent within its opposite. They inform one another, they help each other, they require each other. The opposite sign of Capricorn, Cancer, uh, rules the waters. It's a fluid sign, it's a watery sign. It rules sensitivities and emotionality it rules the, the bonds that occur between people and the way that love is cultivated and family develops. Our loyalties and our determinations have so much to do with our sensitivities, with our soft spots. So if you think again about what are you committed to? What is your fortitude? Where is your discipline? What is the relationship between this kind of commitment and your sensitivity, your deep longing, a bond that you have to someone who's really important to you, the way that your heart is touched, the way that something's important to you personally. Cancer as an energy, as I mentioned, rules the bonds that we form in our relationship. It rules family. Now family is held together typically in some kind of structure, in some kind of tradition. So as you think about the bonds that you have to people in your life, people who are important to you, people who care for you, who nurtured you, regardless of how you might feel about them some of the time, consider how these bonds have also shaped your ambitions. How have they also shaped your rigidities? How have they shaped your discipline? The relationship between uh, the, the soft interior and the rigid exterior or the strong exterior is an important relationship. 
And again, it's a relationship that can make or break sustainability. If our softness dries up completely, if it um, condenses and solidifies, then we have a structure that is inflexible, that will break um, after it experiences enough pressure. It, it won't stand up to the test of time. There has to be some kind of flexibility. There has to be some kind of permeability. But if something is too soft, it's a puddle. There's no containment. It'll evaporate. It'll get swept away. So we also need a container. We need form. And this is the wisdom of Cancer and Capricorn, Capricorn Cancer and their axis, their polarity. If you're so inclined to go on an astrology nerd out, uh, maybe over uh, the winter break if you or summer break, depending on where you are, you might um, listen back to six months ago, the Embodied Astrology episode for Cancer season, where I talk a lot about bonds and emotionality and the softness of this axis or this polarity. Um, I'm going to continue talking about the energies of Cancer and Capricorn as I get into the astrology of Capricorn season. So this is the ending of part one. Um, but I'd really love to encourage you as you kind of rest with these ideas and these pictures to see or seek to see Capricorn in the world around you. See it in the way that structures form and hold their integrity. See it in the way that you hold your own uh, fortitude and the way that you also experience resistance. Um, notice it in moments of strength and also notice it in moments of weakness. Where does your integrity um, manifest what's happening with your structure, literally with your body, but also with your energetic structure where you feel your own integrity or where you feel your continuity, where you feel your boundary, etc. And obviously notice the relationship between this kind of structure and your interior, your sensitivity. Um, all right, so I'm going to take another quick short break and I will be back in just a moment with the uh, forecast and some um, interpretations of the astrology in Capricorn season. All right, everyone, welcome back. Let's look into the astrology of Capricorn season. This is a season that is the bridge between the calendar years of 2019 and 2020. It's the season that begins with the solstice, the um, December solstice, whether that's the beginning of uh, winter or summer for you. So the longest night, um, if you're here with me in the, the northern hemisphere, the longest day here in the south, um, I'm going to talk about what uh, the planets are doing in Capricorn. Um, there's a lot that's going on in Capricorn. There's kind of a, a buildup of planets um, as well as the south node, which is an eclipse point, and Capricorn season includes two eclipses as well as some uh, really um, exciting aspects. So I think I'm going to begin with the fastest moving, the most transient influence in Capricorn and work my way out to the longest term and um, most kind of intense transformation that uh, Capricorn is going through right now. 
So I'm going to start off talking about Jupiter. Um, Jupiter recently moved into Capricorn. It entered Capricorn on December 2nd. Jupiter has about a 12 uh month cycle through any sign a 12 year cycle around the sun so it'll spend just over a year in Capricorn um, until December 20th of 2020. Now Jupiter is a planet that is considered the great benefic. It is a gift-giving planet. It tends to bring optimism, good luck, opportunities, and good moods, buoyancies. Um, however, in Capricorn, Jupiter is considered to be a little debilitated because Capricorn is not a sign that is generally associated to buoyancy and optimism and good luck. So if you think about, um, you know, part one, what we were talking about, you know, resistance for things that grow slowly over time um, those kinds of sentiments are not sentiments that you know hang their hat on luck it's like you might get a stroke of luck but really if you're gonna succeed at something you stick it out over time even when it sucks even when it's hard um, so Jupiter in Capricorn is dampened its energy is restricted a little bit but the way that Jupiter can express in Capricorn really beautifully is by helping us to manifest and helping us to achieve our goals and that is what you want to do with Jupiter's influence in Capricorn and I would love to just take a moment aside and say please get your birth chart out consider where Capricorn is in your chart what houses or which house it is influencing and you need to know your birth time in order to know which house Capricorn is affecting for you if you don't know your birth time you can at least get your chart and see if you have any natal planets in Capricorn um, because these planets are going to be influenced by everything that I'm about to talk about so Jupiter is going to help us out in 2020 um, it's there pretty much all year and like I said Jupiter wants to help us get in a good mood about things um, it's bringing an expansive quality one of its best qualities is the way that it helps us to learn and it helps us to grow and it helps us to make meaning out of our experience um, its influence is a kind of influence that creates this feeling of like well what's the deeper meaning of this what's the higher potential how can I grow from this situation and you can imagine how this could be helpful in Capricorn specifically since Capricorn often um, is associated to challenge and to the ways that we have to work through things slowly over time and Jupiter's influence here can help us see the method in the madness it can help us understand our process can help us to make sense out of our process and it can help us to see where we have opportunities to refine our process because Capricorn loves refinement and if we can learn from our past mistakes and look at the kind of ongoing transformational process that we've been in specifically related to Capricorn's themes and a Capricorn's correspondence within our charts then Jupiter is definitely here to help us out. Now I do want to say that Jupiter also has a magnifying quality. It can act like a magnifying lens, blowing up energies, um, making them bigger in proportion than before. And um, it can do this to get our attention so that we learn, so that we get the lesson. And um, it can bring things in abundance and it can bring things in extreme. And Jupiter is often a planet that shows up really significantly, significantly in death charts. Um, because energy gets so big it leaves the body so I don't want to say like okay you know Jupiter's here it's the Santa Claus of the zodiac it's going to give you everything that you want Jupiter can also magnify experiences that are already stressful but 
if we want to work with zodiacal energy, and this is the gift of astrology, it's not to predict our fate, it's not to um, tell us how we're going to win the lottery, it's to tell us, okay, this is the energy that's coming in, this is the energy that you have to work with, how can you work with it for the best possible outcome? So as I continue to talk about Capricorn, what's happening in Capricorn season, I want you to remember that Jupiter is here, it's present this whole time, and it maybe acting as a magnifying lens, but it's also acting as a teacher. It's pointing you in the direction of your growth. And if you're having experiences that keep knocking on your door that feel really repetitive and you're like, why do I keep getting the same fucking experience? You really want to try and learn from it right now. You really want to um, expand as much as you can your perspective of the situation. Um, some of Jupiter's biggest teachings are around uh, morality and ethics. And at its highest function, it's very much associated to a spiritual path. And I don't mean a religious path. I do not mean a dogmatic path. I mean a spiritual path which is recognizing the spirit that is existent within all things and within you. So if you're having some, some harsh tokes in life and like things are feeling really challenging, I would love to encourage you to try and expand your thinking around what's happening for you within these circumstances and consider what your spiritual growth path is right now. And especially since we're working with Capricorn and some of the energies I'm going to be talking about in just a second, um, there's a very good chance that if you're resisting something, then that's actually where the core of the lesson is. And I'm not saying that, you know, the resistance itself is wrong. Resistance, like I said, can build strength. But if there's some kind of resistance that's happening within your being, that's a place to, to look deeply and to inquire deeply and to get into some kind of, of process with for yourself. What is it that you're resisting? And one of the things that most of us resist really deeply is um, loss of our own authority and the feeling of, um, you know, we don't matter. And especially with Capricorn, this is a really big deal because Capricorn wants authority and it wants to be a master at something and it wants to be important and it's going after its ambition. And so if you're experiencing a lot of hardship right now, and as I continue to talk about Capricorn, if you get any hits and you're like, ooh, that's it, um, particularly look at functions of your ego and the ways that you have been trying to make something work for your own success or because that's what you think that success looks like. Um, that's one of the biggest spaces of learning that I think we have to do in our human consciousness right now is that success is not individual. Success is collective. Um, the success of our entire uh, ecosystem is the success of any of us as individuals. And the, the ways that we have been taught through our traditions and through the rules of, of our culture um, have been primarily around capitalist idealism, you know, Su succeed by making money, succeed by making a name for yourself, succeed by da 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 da, you know, some, some um, idea of what it looks like when you have attained something. So not to say that's everybody listening, but it's going to be at least a solid 50% that some of your struggles right now have to do with the ways that you have been working towards ambition and trying to find success. I would really love to invite you to bring in 
um, Jupiter's wisdom right now, which is to consider the big picture, which is to consider the spiritual path, the, the path of highest uh, possible evolution and ethics. And within Capricorn, ethics and integrity are extremely important. And I don't necessarily believe in a codified kind of version of, of ethics or some kind of one-size-fits-all morality, but um, a lot of traditions worldwide uh, agree fundamentally that there are some things that are ethical or unethical. So if you are knowingly committing violence against yourself or against another, even if you're trying not to pay attention to it, even if that violence is subtle, um, even if that violence is systemic and you're participating, that's going to influence your experience. Um, if you're stealing, if you're lying, you know, if you're not using your energy in a way that's actually promoting what you want to see in the world, these are all unethical behaviors. We all struggle with them. I personally do all of the time struggle with my, you know, desire to take what hasn't been freely given struggle with the ways that I am complicit in the the theft and the erasure of um, you know biodiversity and culture um, by participating in capitalism by living in a first world so th there are a lot of things that are out of our control but there are ways that we can engage with the the themes of this season to grow and to come into a deeper understanding of our total experience and how we can lift our um, kind of current state of consciousness and move into the next step in our evolution and in our elevation. And Jupiter is here to assist us this year. And thank God that Jupiter is here because this is going to be a really intense year. And, um, Let's get into some of that. So the next influence that I want to talk about is the South Node. Um, the South Node has been in Capricorn since 2018. The South and the North Nodes are points where the Moon's uh, orbit intersects with the Earth's ecliptic and our relationship to the Sun. So this is where eclipses happen. And the South and the North Nodes in astrology are considered to be um, karmic points and eclipses connote cycles of karma so where um, conditions and choices of the past come up to permeate the experience of the present and influence our decisions and actions in the future um, the eclipse points have been represented often especially within vedic uh, astrology as the the mouth and the tail of the serpent or the dragon if you think about the ouroboros um, eating its own tail this is kind of the image of the eclipses um, the north node is currently in cancer capricorn's opposite sign and the south node is in capricorn Astrologically, the meaning of the North and the South Node um, is that the North Node is bringing us in the direction of karma. The way that we're traveling is uh, associated to the North Node. What we're being influenced by, the conditions that are um, underneath what's currently arising and what we're leaving behind is represented by the South Node. When we have eclipses, we have moments of karma ripening. So this idea that the conditions of the past are coming up in manifestation in the present moment so that we can see them, so that we can feel their impact, and potentially so that we can make a new choice. 
Eclipse times are often times that are marked by extreme change. And I don't know about this. I, I haven't experienced this in my life, but when I read about eclipses, a lot of the traditional astrologers talk about eclipses as like bad things. Um, I'm not so inclined that way. Like when I read about astrology and they're like, oh my God, it's doom and gloom. Um, that doesn't it doesn't resonate for me, but I have experienced in my own life, um, as I've been tracking eclipses really, um, you know, in, 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 uh, attentively for the last decade now, that there's profound change that happens with the eclipses and that the themes of the eclipses, what signs they're working in, um, resonate. So when eclipses are in a certain sign, we're dealing with certain kinds of archetypal energies and uh, focal points. And I have certainly experienced major changes happening in my life around eclipses. Now, I do want to say that eclipses happen in cycles and they happen in seasons. And there are multiple ways to consider the cycles and the seasons of eclipses. And for the purpose of this podcast, I'm only going to be thinking about the um, present cycle of eclipses in Cancer and Capricorn. But for those of you who want to nerd out, uh, go look at previous eclipse cycles in Cancer Capricorn. Um, every 10 years or so, they return to the same sign polarity. And then look at previous eclipse cycles when the North Node was in Capricorn. Uh, excuse me, North Node was in Cancer, South Node was in Capricorn. Those cycles are going to happen about every 20, 21 years. And then if you really want to nerd out, Google Saros cycles, S-A-R-O-S cycles. That will take you down a rabbit hole that is tantalizing and delightful and uh, will take up a lot of your time. So I'm just mentioning that for those of you who want to go there. Now, for the purposes of this podcast, like I said, I'm just going to be thinking about the eclipses in this present cycle. And um, so eclipses happen in cycles, and each uh, each eclipse kind of brings us a different layer of uh, a, a change pattern. And some eclipses will be totally, you know, unnoticeable. Um, some will be really intense. Um, the, they're probably going to have a fair amount to do with how they aspect your natal chart. I'm going to tell you the dates of the eclipses in our current cycle, and then I'm going to talk about some of the themes. So if you want to grab a pen, you might want to write these down so that you can consider um, eclipses in this cycle uh, when I get to talking about what's been going on. So eclipses in the cycle began in 2018. The first one was July 12th, 2018. The second, January 5th, 2019. July 2nd, 2019. July 16th, 2019. We're about halfway through. We've got four more eclipses to go. The next one coming up is uh, December 26th, 2019. January 10th, 2020. June 21st, 2020 and July 5th of 2020. Um, if you are a subscriber, in the extended forecast, I give you all the degrees and the signs. Um, so listen to that there. Um, and I also give suggestions for how to work with this season's eclipses. So bonus for subscribers, um, more material for you around the eclipses. So as you consider the dates of these eclipses, consider some of the meanings of eclipses in 
Cancer and Capricorn, specifically when the South Node is in Capricorn and the North Node is in Cancer. And this means that we are moving in the direction of Cancer and we're being influenced by, but we're also uh, currently needing to move away from Capricorn and what it's representing. So as I mentioned in part one, Cancer is associated to softness, to emotional coherence and literacy. We as a, as a culture, as um, a society are so blessed right now with so much vocabulary around emotional literacy that is becoming available. And for the first time in at least this current era of human evolution, like for the last some thousands of years, um, well, at least within colonial history, English-speaking Western um, history, there is some language for emotional literacy. This has not happened before, as far as I know. People can talk about trauma. People can talk about vulnerability. People can talk about um, epigenetics and stress factors, and there is language. We can learn to be emotionally literate, and that is a direction that we are going. And the direction then that we are leaving behind is a kind of enduring militancy around our emotional experience. I'm not going to talk about that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. Oh, you're having a feeling? You're being hysterical. Don't be ridiculous. Suck it up. Those kinds of ideas are old school. They're definitely more traditional. So think about Capricorn in terms of its tradition. Um, I'm not speaking to everybody's tradition. I'm speaking to dominant Western, specifically white tradition, which has globalized the world. Um, and these kinds of ideas about what we should do with our emotions and what kind of value emotions have. So one of the directions that we're moving is towards emotional literacy and away from um, emotional illiteracy or incompetence. Cancer is an energy that promotes inclusion and familialness. So it rules bonding and it rules care between people. Capricorn is an energy that defends borders. It, it firms and concretizes borders. Now currently in the world, there are multiple atrocities happening all around the world around um, nationalism and populism and the idea of who belongs in which country or who who has a, a right to be there and who gets safety and things like this. Now, I hope that we're moving in the direction of inclusion and I think that maybe the silver lining of the atrocities that are happening right now is that more and more people are getting fed up with those kinds of ideas. That when we see pictures of um, children stuck in cages on the southern border, or when we hear about um, Muslims being killed in India, that we think this is ridiculous, this has got to go, we're all human beings. We would be much better off if we could find ways to include everybody to give people what they needed. If people could get what they needed and get along with one another, we'd probably thrive. Right? Why do we need to exclude? So my hope is that we're moving more towards inclusion, more towards a sense of um, family and familiarity with one another and away from hard borders. That's my hope. Again, the potential spiritual outcome. But I do think that it is also a reality because I talk to people all the time in my job. You know, I'm talking to people about their 
charts and I get a lot of different kinds of clients. I'll talk to a witch one day and a banker the next. I talk to people who are very traditional in their thinking and people who are very queer in their thinking. And um, pretty much across the board, everyone is being deeply affected, profoundly affected by what's happening in the world right now. And they're wanting to move towards more inclusion. They're struggling with it in different ways, making choices in different ways. But those are the people that I'm talking to at least. One of the directions that we're traveling is towards empathy. Um, cancer is a sign that teaches us to honor sensitivities and to relate to sensitivities to go, oh, wow, you know, maybe um, that person is feeling that way. And that's the reason why they're acting that way. Or hmm, maybe I should try saying it like this so that they can hear me. The ability to um, be emotionally coherent, to have empathy is the opposite of um, authority, right? Like, and this is a little bit different than um, the emotional literacy piece, but empathy versus authority. How can I feel for someone's experience rather than imposing my idea of what their experience should be upon them? Or how can I feel for my own experience rather than imposing an idea of what my experience should be upon myself? Finally, one more idea of the direction that we're moving is towards community, towards togetherness, towards bonding, um, and away from hierarchies. So Capricorn is a sign that definitely represents hierarchy in terms of its association to leaders, to authorities, to people who make rules. But maybe the experiences that we're having now, again, my hope for spiritual evolution is that we see what happens with people who have authority and we see what happens with systems who've been granted authority and we're recognizing that a kind of elite authority or authority that is um, held within um, con containers that don't include the people, the everyone, um, is authority that is unsustainable. So consider these, um, these motions, these movements of growth and especially as you consider within the context of your own chart or your own life, how are you moving in the direction of more emotional literacy, of more empathy, of more inclusion, of more care? And how are you working to become more aware of the ways that you impose or internalize rigidity? Um, the ways that you shut yourself down, that you shut others down, the borders that you have built inside of yourself and the borders that you uh, strengthen in your participation. These energies, these archetypes relate very strongly to our parental archetypes. Um, I'm not going to gender these archetypes, but ideally both or all of both is not the word I wanted, um, any of the people that we experience as caregivers, um, as infants and children, have the ability to nurture us and attend to us emotionally, um, as well as provide structure and rules, because we need them both um, as developing human beings. We need consistency, we need rules, we need consequences. Um, we need to work through resistance. We also need to um, be entrained emotionally. We need empathy. If we're going to, to thrive and if we're going to develop, we need connection. 
So eclipses in Cancer Capricorn are also working within the parental axis and within the familial axis for many of us. And as you reflect back on these eclipse cycles, also reflect on how you have been developing in relationship for sure to your parents, but also to your upbringing in general, to the culture of your upbringing, um, how you learn to protect and defend and identify yourself, and how you cultivated your own um, emotional coherence. All right, so next I want to talk about Saturn. Saturn has been traveling through Capricorn since December of 2017. Um, Saturn takes about two and a half, three years to move through a sign. It will be in Capricorn until December of 2020. Saturn is the planetary ruler of Capricorn, and that means that Saturn as a planet embodies a lot of the qualities of Capricorn that I've already talked about. And when we're thinking about the difference between planets and signs, um, sometimes it's helpful to think of um, signs as an energy and planets as an actor. So planets become representations of people or they become representations of forces or characters within ourselves that really um, uh, kind of impose or shape a certain kind of energy. When Saturn is in Capricorn, Saturn is strengthened and the qualities of um, you know, fortitude, resistance, determination, maturity become stronger. And the ways that we are working to attain these qualities, to build these qualities in our lives become strengthened. Now, Saturn um, and Capricorn both, again, can have a very restricting and oppressive kind of quality. So depending on um, how you've been feeling this transit, you may have been uh, experiencing more one or the other state of Capricorn and Saturn. Um, my guess is probably both. I know I've been experiencing both of them. But, uh, you know, hard knocks, like feeling like shit. You know, the thing that I'm doing is not working. You know, I'm facing challenge. Something has reached some kind of point where, you know, I, I need to restructure it. I need to start all over again, but I need to continue going with it. This kind of feeling um, is definitely a feeling that might come up with Saturn and Capricorn. The um, kind of doubt that both of these, these energies can bring to us is significant. And so as you think about where Capricorn is in your chart and what you've been going through and maybe the times of these eclipses, etc., Doubt is a really big factor here. How do we feel our own competence and how do we feel our own ability? Um, these are signs and, and planetary energies that do not give it to us easy. So it's, you know, Jupiter is here. It's like, you can do it, you can do it. It's a little cheerleader off in the side, but more pressing, more right up in our faces are all the ways that we can't do it, all the ways that we're not good enough, all the ways that we don't have what we need, you know, on, on, on and on and on. So these qualities of, of doubt, of resistance, of, of pressure are definitely strengthened with Saturn and Capricorn. And um, also there's tenacity. And part of what Saturn brings us in its more exalted quality is this feeling that, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. What Saturn does is it helps us to restructure 
it helps us to organize ourselves. It helps us to trim off what is excessive, to simplify, to refine, and to uh, integrate, to get the integrity of whatever it is that we're doing. So we might be structuring and restructuring through Saturn's process through Capricorn, but ultimately what we want to do is we want to get it right. And the feeling that Saturn uh, brings us is don't fuck around. This is no joke. You know, attend to it, figure it out. If you can figure it out, then you will succeed. And on the other side of this challenge is a kind of, of sense that we might get somewhere where we have more authority, we have more mastery, we have more power with something. Now, it's really important to remember that um, accountability is a huge uh, component for both Saturn and Capricorn. Do not cut corners. If you know that something is amiss, if it's not working exactly right, if there isn't a, a good foundation, don't build upon it. Take your time to get to the root of the problem. And take a little minute for an aside um, with a personal anecdote to um, kind of illustrate this point. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to start talking about Pluto and Capricorn. And um, before before I get there, I'm going to tell you the story. So just to say Pluto went into Capricorn in 2008. And in 2008, I started to experience um, pretty severe dental problems. Now, I come from a family with teeth problems, right? So somewhere in my ancestry, there have been enough stresses, enough uh, periods of nutritional deficiency, um, enough people, um, you know, in states of agitation, grinding their teeth, holding tension in their jaw. And this is part of what I've inherited. And in 2008, I um, en ended up having to get, uh, I think, two or three root canals. I mean, really bad problems in my teeth that seemed to just materialize out of nowhere. And since then, I've been working to get healthier with my teeth. I've been trying to, you know, repattern my bite. I've been uh, going to the dentist every six months, trying to do, um, you take herbs, da 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 da. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I'm not remembering exactly what the transit was, but it happened right on a, a Saturn transit. I um, got a toothache. That toothache turned uh, got worse and worse. I went to the dentist. They said, oh, you need another root canal. I went for the root canal. They said, we can't save the tooth. 48 hours later, I had it extracted. It's um, one of my largest molars. And um, now I'm sitting here recording without that tooth in my mouth. And it's been about two weeks. I'm letting it heal. And um, I'm really needing to look deeply at the significance of my teeth and, and what they mean to me. And this is such a classic, I mean, like I'm laughing as an astrologer, like, of course, I'm a Leo rising person, that means Capricorn is in my sixth house of health, Capricorn rules the teeth, here we've got Saturn coming together with Pluto, I'll talk about Pluto in a second, um, this is one of the, the issues that I'm facing, another issue is in some of the deep structure of, of my home that's also rotting. So I know that I don't want to just... Um, get a bridge or whatever or get an implant in my jaw that's not actually going to be the the solution to this i'm learning that my teeth are deeply connected to um, longer term more systemic issues in my health that they're connected to meridian lines that they're connected to organs i'm considering ways that i can work with my teeth through working with my ancestors. I'm considering now how I can work with repatterning 
uh, tension that I hold in my jaw um, that's unconscious to me for the most part. It, it manifests when I'm sleeping. Um, how can I repattern that as a, a gesture to my lineage of ancestral tension? Now, I don't know if any of this is going to result in better health for my teeth in the long term, but when I feel into it for myself, um, it, what's obvious to me is that it can't just be an aesthetic problem or an aesthetic fix. There's something much deeper that's happening in my system, and that is the problem that I want to address. So what's going on in your life? You know, where are the things that are just falling apart? Where are the things that you've, you know, been mucking around with, having trouble for a long time, that you're trying to figure out how to restructure? Do not go for the quick and easy. That's not what this time is about. This time is about getting to the root of whatever the issue is. And that brings us to Pluto, my friends. So Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008, as I mentioned. Um, it will be in Capricorn until 2024. It's about a 15, 16-year transit. Um, Pluto is the god of death. So in astrological archetype, Pluto represents the killing force. It's how things rot and break down and decompose. Rot, break down, decompose is a natural part of life. Um, human beings really don't like it. We resist death every single way that we can. Um, particularly for those of us who have uh, grown up in cultures that have no um, orientation towards the occult or towards working with transformation, um, towards working with death as a transformational force. Uh, so if you've grown up in um, you know, Christian-influenced Western patriarchy, you have no tools, um, probably, to really work with death as a force of, of transformation and spirit. Um, so most of us, and um, I think at least to some extent, uh, most of us relate with Pluto as a force of fear. And so how I see Pluto acting is as the accumulated force of shadow, and shadow uh, is everything that gets pushed away, everything that we can't see within ourselves, everything that we can't process, our, um, our fears of our own insignificance, and then how we grasp and struggle to make ourselves significant. And this, uh, this feeling of shadow has its own momentum. So you have been influenced by ancestral shadow and by cultural shadow, and your ancestors were influenced in turn. And I don't know how far back we need to trace in our collective memory to find the place where it began, where human beings um, started, you know, shoving parts of themselves away and going, oh, I can't accept that about myself. I can't accept my own insignificance. I can't accept my sexuality. I can't um, figure out what to do with my own desire for whatever. The desire for power, the um, feeling of, of wanting to dominate something is the other side of, of, of an insecurity, right? A feeling of insignificance or a fear of not having. 
So when we turn away from something, we end up manipulating that energy or that energy ends up being a manipulating force that comes out in really toxic, corrosive ways. And if we think about Capricorn as a sign that is representative of structure, containment, governments, authorities, rules, old people, traditions, um, consider how since 2008, the corrosive qualities of these ideas have been becoming more and more and more apparent. Now they've always been apparent on some level to anybody who's paying attention, but since 2008, at least in the United States, you know, going into the recession that year, um, dealing with the big banks, these kinds of ideas of what happens when power is unchecked, uh, we've been in a consistent state of um, more and more toxicity within the system being revealed. And at this point, I don't know who can continue to pretend that the system isn't rotten at its core. So when I started the podcast and I was like, oh, you know, Democrats voted to impeach Donald Trump, does it matter? It will only matter if we can address the actual system that put Donald Trump into power in the first place. So let's talk about that. What is that system? Pluto's orbit is about 260 years around the sun. The last time it was in Capricorn um, was between 1762 and 1778. This is uh, when the United States Declaration of Independence was drafted and signed um, in 1776. And at that point, Pluto was at 27 degrees of Capricorn. Now, Pluto will get to 27 degrees Capricorn in just um, a couple of years. And so the United States is now experiencing a Pluto return. So if we think about the force of accumulated and collective shadow, that shadow is uh, coming up for examination right now. We're in a dying um, moment. And Pluto is the god of death. It's also the god of transformation. So when things compost and then they break down, um, some, something grows, something changes from that space. So we'll see what we're turning into. Um, and while I recognize that the things that I'm saying are very U.S.-centric, I also recognize that the United States um, has quite a lot of influence in the world and I also recognize that what's going on in the United States is not separate from what's happening in the rest of the world. And so this is also uh, happening at the same time that, um, you know, the British parliamentary elections have just happened. Um, maybe Brexit looks like that's going to happen. Um, there's obviously quite a lot of upheaval throughout the world, um, many different c comings into and out of power for world leaders. Um, so whatever the, the legacy is of this current era that in large part has been defined by um, American ideals of freedom, individuation, and capitalist um, growth, these are circumstances that are now being brought up um, in a very corrosive, toxic way, and we have to figure out what to do with it. Before I go further, I want to go back one more cycle, one more Pluto cycle. And the previous Pluto cycle, uh, 1515 to 1532, was also the last time that Saturn and Pluto were both in Capricorn. And Saturn and Pluto um, actually formed a conjunction in Capricorn in 1518. Um, 
and Saturn and Pluto will form a conjunction in Capricorn in 2020. So the first time in 2020 since 1518 that Saturn and Pluto have come together in the sign Capricorn. Remember, Saturn is a sign of structure, rules, authority, putting something into place, formalizing something. Um, Pluto is a, I, I said Saturn is a sign, Saturn is a planet, excuse me. Pluto is a planet that represents um, a decaying force, but also a shadow force and how shadow manipulates, how um, shadow becomes a, a momentum. So when Saturn and Pluto come together, we get solidifying around shadow. But potentially, we also get restructuring and transformation. In the early 1500s, um, the uh, transatlantic slave trade began. So in the year 1518, which is the year that Saturn and Pluto came together in Capricorn, that is the year that King Charles from Spain um, authorized the shipping of African peoples directly to the Americas uh, for profitability, right? To make more money off of bodies, off of black bodies. In the subsequent 350 years that followed, over 12 million people were forced into migration, were forced to leave their home, were forced into slavery. Um, two million people, some two million people died uh, in, in transit and route. And the legacy of this period of time is living out in our world today. It's living in systemic poverty, in racism, in inequality, in global anti-blackness, and in um, the extreme wealth of an elite few who profit off of bodies and who profit primarily off of black and brown bodies. Um, today, there are an estimated 50 million people who are enslaved. And it might not be um, the same kind of slavery that you think of if you're an American like me and you hear that word. Um, but 50 million people are enslaved, the majority um, now in Asian countries. Uh, many of them children forced into child labor. Um, many of them who are in some form of indentured servitude, who are given some kind of, of loan by their quote-unquote employer that they'll never be able to pay back. And so they're constantly working in order to um, just maintain. Many of them who are uh, forced into sex trafficking. Beyond people who are enslaved, I don't no, I don't have the statistic on this, how many millions of people are working for ridiculously low wages who are living in absolute abject poverty. Um, they may be f free in some ways, they may not be considered as slaves, but this legacy of profiting off of uh, forced labor and bodies continues um, well into today. It is well and thriving. And it continues to be an elite few who profit off of this labor. Um, now, that profit isn't only condensed to these elite few. There is a legacy that has played out um, within lineages. And these lineages are um, definitely not only along color lines and racial lines, but for the sake of what I'm talking about in this podcast, I want to say that 
in the United States, the median white household um, has 86% more wealth than the median black household. And contrary to popular belief, the economic potential for black families is deteriorating. That's a, a, a fact from an article in Forbes um, that they, they predict that by um, 2046, the net worth of the median black family will be zero if trends continue as they are today. Now, of course, it's not just um, people of African descent who were uh, exploited, um, who have been exploited. Um, also, in the early 1500s, the, the colonies were booming, right? And the presence of Europeans in the Americas resulted in the um, death of, I think, over 50% of native populations due to violence um, and due to disease in large part. And of course, in the years since then, in the 500 years since then, there has um, been ongoing theft of land, ongoing theft of resources, and ongoing displacement. And Native Americans today have the highest poverty rates in the United States at almost 25%. So this is a legacy, as I said, that is definitely still um, continuing it's still ongoing that the experiences within the global family have gross inequities and these inequities have have roots um, that are thousands of years old that are hundreds of years old but particularly if we're looking at these cycles of pluto i think it's profound to consider that the last time saturn and pluto came together in capricorn was the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade and um, the period of time in which native populations were so extremely negatively impacted the same forces that have created these lived experiences for so many people are the same forces that have created environmental disaster. And I think it's less and less that this argument happens, but certainly um, I, I've experienced, and maybe you have too, that there's often this kind of um, disagreement or frustration, particularly with white liberals, you know, where the, the conversation of race comes up or racial inequality, um, and they get real huffy, and then they, they just want to talk about environment and climate change. And we can't not talk about social justice if we're going to talk about the environment and environmental justice. They're part of the same thing. Now, you who are listening probably know this. Maybe you don't appreciate that tone. Um, but cheap shit uh, is, you know, made by cheap labor and low wages need cheap shit and that enforces cheap labor. The exploitation of resources, and that means human resources as well as environmental resources for elite gain, is environmental devastation. That is climate change right there. That is the burning of fossil fuels. That is the, the digging of mines. That is um, extraction of the Earth's most valuable resources. That is the pollution of water to produce chemicals. That is the half-life of these plastic pieces of shit that continue to be produced because they can be sold for pennies on Amazon so Jeff Bezos can get rich and richer. In 2020, on January 12th, Saturn and Pluto will come together. They will form a conjunction at 22 degrees of Capricorn. 
In the days before this conjunction happens, there will be a full moon and lunar eclipse at 20 degrees of Cancer. That's where the moon will be. That means that uh, the sun will be at 20 Capricorn. And Mercury will form uh, its superior conjunction to the Sun and immediately after will form conjunctions to Saturn and Pluto. And then the day after Saturn and Pluto conjunct, the Sun will conjunct both of them. So what does this mean? We have Saturn, again, consequences, accountabilities, austerities coming together with Pluto, systemic rot, deterioration, uh, the power of shadow the potential of transformation. In a sign that has been going undergoing drastic change with the eclipses, with the south node in the eclipse uh, patterns, asking us to let go of old patterns, um, to recognize our karmic conditions, and to release and purge what is no longer necessary for our evolution um, and necessity. The sun brings consciousness the moon is subjective awareness. When we have an eclipse, we have a moment where consciousness and subjective awareness come together in an acute way so that we can recognize pattern and we can, can choose to, to make a different choice. These moments of eclipses are moments where change can happen, where we can choose to end one cycle and to start something else. Mercury is the symbol of the mind. It brings conscious attention and awareness, the ability to articulate. When Mercury is combust the sun, when it comes together with the sun, we have a, a moment of extreme capacity for comprehension. And at this point in the Mercury cycle with the sun, we are really open to new ideas. And then Mercury comes into contact with Saturn, with rules, accountability, restrictions, and then with Pluto, the god of death. A lot happening right around the middle of January. Um, now, not to mention that during these couple of days, Uranus will also turn direct. And um, I'm not going to talk much about that in this episode other than to say um, this is a symbol of deep earth changes. Saturn and Pluto, I think, you know, this is a, a symbol of uh, the Anthropocene. It's the era of Earth's development when Earth is changing more rapidly due to human uh, intervention than it is uh, for, for its own forces. Um, so we have to accept this. This is where we are right now. And I want to kind of conclude this, this podcast by bringing us back around to Jupiter, um, a little, little bit of a, a brighter note, or the idea that maybe there is some method in this madness, maybe there is a way that we can learn and grow and move through this time, um, at least with our, our spirits intact. Now, we have to face the consequences of what has come before us. And we didn't get to choose those conditions. Uh, no one alive today got to choose what happened in 1518. But here we are, the recipients of those lineages. So if, if we come back to some of the earlier ideas presented in this podcast, I'd really love to invite you to think into your lineage and to think into um, what, what you have received how are you a recipient for the layers of history that move through you? And what do you want to do now? What do you want to do with your family line? What do you want to do with, your, with the stream of energy that's running through you?
If you're a recipient of trauma and slavery and forced migration, um, please find ways to honor yourself, to value yourself, to affirm your, your worth. And if you are a person who's recipient of, um, of privilege because of the conditions that created suffering for so many, please find a way to assist um, those who are suffering as a direct result of your ancestors' decisions to live lives that have more pleasure and more ease and more fun and to feel more valued in their lives. All of us want to be accountable right now, and none of us come from simple legacies. So we are all recipients of suffering. We're all recipients of trauma. We're all recipients of um, energies that were manipulative and violent and uh, crude and cruel. So how do we digest these experiences within ourselves? How do we metabolize them? We have to look at the, the places of stress. We have to look at the places of resistance and challenge and what is being asked to decompose and break down. And here's where we can collaborate with collective evolution. We can see that the forces in our world right now that promote uh, capitalist individualism, that promote exploitation of the environment are destructive to our human bodies, to our relationships. So let's find ways to change them. They may be small ways. It may be that you institute a sliding scale in your fee model. It may be that you decide to um, you know, sh shift the emphasis of your work a little bit more uh, towards compassion and a little bit away from profit. It may be that the way that you parent um, is going to change and you're going to um, parent more through empathy than you are through authority. It may be that you want to vote differently. <laughs> it may be that you want to donate your money in some way. We can all participate in our own different ways, but we are definitely um, at a pivot point. And I think that that is the ultimate message of the astrology right now. There is no turning back. There's no ignoring what's happening. Um, our, our world is in dire straits. We're in an extreme condition. And the world itself, the earth itself, is a resilient, magical, fertile being, and it will be fine. Our human consciousness, I don't know. How are we going to get through this time? Are we going to get through this time? There will be some of us who survive. I believe that those of us who survive are not the ones who are insulated by wealth and barriers, but the ones who have vibrant connections and community and empathy and love. And it might be that we just survive in our spirits or that we just survive in our hearts. But personally, I would rather die for something that I stand in than uh, live in a way that is totally misaligned with what I think is important and with what the goodness of the world is. So I'm going to leave it there for now. Happy New Year. As you consider what you're moving into in 2020, I implore you to really think about the ways that you can affect change and that you can participate in a movement towards empathy, emotional coherence, familialness, and care of one another and of our world. I talk about it all even more in your horoscopes and in the subscriber content. Please check it out. Um, I'm wishing you all the best. Uh, keep an eye on your inboxes on the eclipse, which happens to also be Christmas Day, if that's the day that you 
give uh, attention to, I will be putting out a really simple meditation to help connect with alignment and with integrity. So keep an eye out for that. And until then, I'm wishing you all the best. I'm wishing you deep love. I'm wishing you resilience and fortitude. Um, for those of you who are spending time with ch family in challenging ways, I'm wishing you um, a very palpable and powerful connection to your inner vibrance and softness and to the love that lives within you right at the core of you. And I hope that it can expand and hold you and hold your family. For those of you who are spending um, this period of time just as another day, I wish the same for you. All right, everybody. Much love. Bye for now. <laughs>